disclaimer. Everything discussed on the 9 o'clock is wholly opinion. We are not experts. We have no alphabet soup of credentials after our names. We're just two people who overthink things and had enough adult money to buy podcast mics. Nothing said here should be taken as medical or legal advice. Seriously. No, don't. That would be terrible for you, probably. Be sure to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us. How? We aren't sure. But yeah, do that. Welcome to the nine o'clock. Literally the only reason we own a dining room table. It's true. <laughs> We'd never eat here. No, we, we pretend like we're going to. I'm Gwenna Lathland. And I'm Jackson Lathland. Yeah, so it is, it's been, it's been a less than fun week, really, for me. Yeah, so for, for those who don't know, I'll catch everybody up. You have not felt well for the last, I don't know, several days. About, almost a week. Yep, you caught the strep. I caught the strep. And normally. And infection. It's yeah, been all sorts of fun. You got the trifecta this time. I did. No, no, we're, and we're normally the type of people that just kind of power through these things. Yeah. And I know people out there are like, <laughs> really, yeah, okay. That it, it doesn't mean it doesn't harm us. Right. No, 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 we're not saying it's a good idea to just ignore that we are sick. <laughs> and we, we do, you know, properly quarantine from other people. We've taken it way more seriously, especially in the times of COVID. Yeah. Like we're not going out in public, but we're still vacuuming the house and doing the dishes and folding the laundry. And like, we just... When we're in the house, we pretend we're not sick, even though we feel like garbage. Yeah. So, the, and, and normally, I would say normally your immune system allows you to bounce back pretty fairly quick. quick yeah. yeah. This time, however, this thing knocked you down hard. Yeah. Several days. Yeah. About and two days spent. Yeah. I so, would say in bed, but it really wasn't in bed. It was just kind of wallering in the bedroom. Um, yeah. I, no, you, you were in bed quite a bit, actually. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say a good probably third of your waking time was laying in bed at the very least right. and then naps all over the place. Now, so. for, for reference, like I, I need I need everyone to to grasp the magnanimity of what was just said. A mom, an active stay at home mom was bedridden for two days. See, it's funny you should say it that way. So what it occurred, what had occurred to me through this time was this is really the first time since I became a dad mm-hmm. that I have had to try to fill your shoes mm-hmm. in this way. No, I mean, that's not to say that, you know, I've never had sick kids or you right. yourself have never been sick, but being down and out like you were, mm-hmm. I, I literally had to pick up everything. everything. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's not necessarily like a humble brag. That's probably right. failing on, on my part that even when I know I'm sick, even when I know my body needs time to rest and recuperate, I can't let go of stuff Yeah, to let you <laughs> like equal partner with me. Like, no, I'll just, it, it's fine. I'll do it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and, and the the thing is is i've i've been known to back when i was a mechanic how many times did i miss work because i was sick i literally never went over my sick days no put it that way nope i was i was literally allowed 10 days a year for sick and and vacation vacation so if i had sick days it might be two or three years. because american leave policies are super great right yeah that's 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 a podcast in and of itself. If we wanted to go there, that's that. I don't think that's our podcast. That's, that's, <laughs> no, that's not. That's not no. us. There's plenty of podcasts out there that discuss this. Um, <laughs> but and that's that's not to say I never get sick. It's right. to say that I I just literally had just to power it. through it. Yeah. yeah. 
I had no choice. I think the most recent time you were you you stayed home from work is because you threw out your back and you literally could not stand upright. I couldn't get out of bed hardly. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. bad. So, um. Anyway, yeah. So, w- what it got me to thinking about this this week, and and this you've not been prompted on at all, is how do you do it? How do you how do you handle? <laughs> How do I no, do it? No, no, I'm it's a asking, very multifaceted question. Um, I'm a, but I'm asking you for your opinion specifically, right. not just not just in the ether. Like, how do people do this? Right. How do you handle as a as a mom who has mm-hmm. a never ending job? It's it's yeah. it's a, a I mean, it's it's a job you sign up for for life, literally. Right. right. I'll, I'll be a I could outlive my kids and I will still be a mom to right. the day I die. Right. It, when you have those days where you get sick, uh-huh. what are the challenges you find? So for me, so we practice something called responsive parenting, mm-hmm. which means that we prioritize the emotional development of our children and put it on equal footing with teaching them how to person. Right. Like that's, that's the, the basics of responsive parenting. It's, it's a little more nuanced than that. But if I had to give an elevator pitch for what responsive parenting is, that's what I would say. The biggest struggle that I have to essentially most rules are pitched out the door. Right. Because it is everything in me to make sure that their basic needs are being met. And we're talking Maslow's hierarchy. Are you clean to a standard that will not get you ill? Are you fed? Are you watered? Is the house still standing? Okay, we've done it. That's that's <laughs> that's it. Um I have when you were working and I was sick and I had the kids, I have taken down all of the boxes of snacks, opened them up and set them at ground level. <laughs> just, so there can some grazing can so be done. Just graze. Like I open some cheese <laughs> sticks and toss them on a plate. I lock the dogs up in the other room. Which don't think we abuse the dogs. The other room has a full size bed in it. They are fine. Oh yeah. Um, That's yeah. a vacation for them. Right. I put the dogs in the other room and I just put the food on the floor. Now our children are old enough to be able to feed themselves. Yeah. I am still there. I'm still conscious. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, but like I will minimize the amount of time I have to be off my butt and we watch all the movies and we get out all the games and toys. And I don't care what you are doing as long as you are safe, not beating the living daylights out of your sibling. I don't care. I don't care. Like we're in pure survival mode. Yeah. I get the big like camping gallon water bottles with the straws, fill those all the way up. One for you, one for you, one for me that I'm going to ignore. That's it. That's, that's all the hydration we're going to have today, kids. So was, it's, it's kind of a silly question. So how how would you say this, this experience differed from past experiences? (laughs) Well, in this one. I'll tell you, the mom shame was really getting at me. I was going to ask about that, actually. <laughs> Same brain. Right. So, no, this, this time the mom shame was really kind of eating at me. Um, and I, I knew, I knew mom shame is nothing but lies. Like, yeah, they, they don't, it doesn't serve a purpose to listen to that inner voice of, oh, my gosh, you lazy bum. Just get out of bed and do your job. I don't know why. uh my mom shame sounds like a kind of high New Yorker, <laughs> she does in my head. Um, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't just get out of bed. Like this illness was, I mean, it was strep throat, but it was a really bad case of strep throat. Right. 
And I, it felt like I had Satan's own ninja stars in my throat. <laughs> um, I had a fever. I had the body aches. I had the whole nine yards. And I got on antibiotics really quickly, but my system does not bounce back like it used to. Yeah. And I couldn't. Like, there was not the energy. There was the motivation. I kept having to remind myself, I am allowed to have a working immune system. I'm allowed to rest. Like, Jackson's got it. He's good at what he does. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, obviously, he's a great dad. He's a great husband. I know, like, he's going to take care of that stuff. And then my work shame kicked in. Yeah. How about all those projects that you're currently not working on? All those <laughs> deadlines that you've got approaching and just, oh, for F's sake. Yeah, because those three or four days, I mean, that's that's make or break it, right? Right. No, yeah. that's definitely going to end my career that <laughs> I didn't get a TikTok out. Um, which, you know, there there's reasons that metrics work the, the way they do, that, that the back end of a content creator, there's a lot going on. Right. Um, and, and there is a concern that if you don't publish often enough, they say in science, it's publish or die. A, I see your science and I raise you influence in life. <laughs> and that is a terrible comparison, by the way. I find it funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, I was having a bigger mental struggle with not being able to mom, even at half capacity, like I've done before when I've been sick and just soloing it with the kids i didn't even have the strength to do that i i wonder could i have found that if you were still working full-time out of the house like i don't know if you could have i mean there's there would literally be no one else here to right how would you be able to stop and rest I, I would genuinely, I mean, I, I wouldn't. And it would come at the cost of lengthening that sickness. Yeah. You would almost have to lay the kids down for a nap deliberately so you could nap, which our three year olds do not no. nap. No, they don't. They barely go to bed. That's true. As I'm still looking over and they're still wiggling. Right. An hour past their bedtime. Yeah. Um, I yeah, may, may not have given them a Hershey kiss an hour before. Bed. <laughs> that seemed like a good idea at the time. Their faces were so cute. <laughs> That's uh, that's that's supposed to be grandparents' privileges. Look, shut up. Let's feed the kids all kinds of chocolate and then send them home with you. You know what? Bedtime was your shift tonight, so <laughs> it really felt like a you problem. And here we are with me not with the monitor. It's been my shift the last five nights, actually. Okay, don't don't throw it at me. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, it was a joke. It was, our it love, was a joke, our yeah. love language is sarcasm. It is. Yeah, I, I, I will say that uh, taking care of you and the kids and the eldest mm-hmm. this week, because she has needs too, mm-hmm. uh, has has really put it into perspective for me. What I was, <laughs> weird way to say it, what I was missing out on. Yeah, all those years just not being home, just in the workforce. Yeah, and it's not that I look forward to those moments because I'm just gonna say this outright. It was not an enjoyable experience. <laughs> Fulfilling, maybe. Right. Like like playing playing the, the nurse dad role. Uh-huh. But enjoyable? No. Right. I did not enjoy this. Right. Not because everybody was a terror or anything like that. Just just because it really put my feet to the fire. Uh-huh. Like I didn't have a choice. Right. And I wouldn't have had a choice anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Like right. it's no, taken no. from you. So it's you have to do it. It's right. just you right. do that. And it put it into perspective in a way that I, I see more 
your side of the parenting situation. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it allows, I can't say that it, it allows me to put your shoes on really. Right. But in a, in a sense it does for at least a few days. Right. And gives me a whole different level of respect <laughs> and contemplation. Well, and this is not to say, like, I want to be clear that Jackson's perspective on this is not, this isn't one of those, uh, intentional, I forget what the term is, but it's when you intentionally mess things up so you can get out of doing things. Oh, right. You're, you're not, he's not describing that, oh, well, I never have to take care of the kids. Like that's all on Gwenna. That's, that's Gwenna's role. No, what he's saying is without preparation, without, uh, planning, without just all of a sudden, crap, Gwenna is down. Like she's down down she's useless right i can't even ask her for stuff and like where stuff is because she's been unconscious like most of the time um it it was one of those things where you knew how to do everything you needed to do you knew exactly what you needed to do you just didn't have any moment to go oh oh this is all me now yeah oh okay yeah i mean it was it was a little bit of a learning experience. Yeah. Just in, in, in having to deal with it firsthand. Right. Right. We all, I mean, a lot of people learn by experience and that was an well, experience for me. And in our relationship, we're, we're very much aware of our partnered roles. Yeah. So we're really good at, even if it's a nonverbal communication, we're really good at, Hey, I have gotten onto these kids three times about the same thing. Your turn. Yeah. Like we no longer have to verbally say these things. We typically tend to pay attention to what the other is doing or saying. We look for cues. We yeah, look for that's cues. Kind of thing, yeah. You know, if you've told the kids, hey, we don't climb on the top bunk and I catch the kids on the top bunk, it's my turn to say, hey, we don't climb on the top bunk. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're really good at that. And when one, it's almost a codependency. Which is a very vilified word. See, that's and is problematic for some people and in some cases. Yes, and, and, and I get that. I right. don't feel like for us it normally is. Right. But that, that's that's the that's exactly the level that I was coming at it from. Right. Is I didn't have you. Right. Like all week for uh-huh. for this, so I literally had to do it on my own. Right. Which is. Not a shock to 90% of the people listening, right. I'm sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Play your little fiddle, Jack. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, oh, cry me oh, a river. Poor you. Yeah. No, but but I, I get fully what you're saying yeah. is that we are a very partnered set in how we parent and how we maintain the house. Like, we're very lucky that we have the communication skills and the type of relationship where that is not... A hard thing to do. There are some things that I take care of exclusively, some things you take care of exclusively, and a lot of things that we can just bounce off each other and share those responsibilities with little to no active communication in the moment. Right. And then when one partner is pulled away without notice, it's it's weird to go, I am both Gwenna and Jack. Uh, Yeah. I get to suddenly cook dinner. I get to... Again, that shouldn't be a surprise, but for right. me it was. Right. I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared well, for it. I've got a trip coming up in March. Right. As long as the pandemic allows me to take this trip. Oh, yeah, that's true. Please let me take the trip. I've got a trip coming up in March. That will feel very different. Right. Because that will be you and I sitting down going, okay, here's the dinner, lunch, breakfast plans. You know, here's this, this thing is happening at this time and you've got to take this kid to this thing. Like all of that will be 
way advanced ahead of time. planned. Yeah. Like that won't feel the same no. as just having your wife pulled out of the picture entirely with no notice. Well, and, and, and adding to that is, is also having to help take care of you. Cause yeah, I mean, that was part of it. Right. So it's what it, what it leads me to, it actually, it, it led me to another thought. And so I've got another question mm-hmm. to add and it's more personal, but first yeah. you guys get to hear some great news from Gwenna. Yeah. Hi, Gwenna here still. We are going to be doing a podcast episode answering your most burning, pressing, gnawing at you in the dark void of night questions. Well, answering might be a strong word, but we do want to discuss them. Essentially, you've got a chance to create your own podcast episode. In order to do that, head to pleasantpeasantmedia.com and fill out the form there. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, but in audio form, and with less dragons, or ghosts, or page-turning. Okay, it's nothing like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, but yeah, tell us what to talk about. Again, the form is on pleasantpeasantmedia.com. So before the break, I said I had a question for you. Yeah. And the question is, um, what was your experience like when you were a single parent? Because Mm -hmm. you obviously had a child before we met Mm -hmm. from a previous marriage. Yeah. And when you ran into issues like this where you were really sick Mm -hmm. or or something something along those lines. Yeah. What was that? What was that experience for you? So that only happened once. There was really? only one instance where I couldn't just do the power power through it. Yeah. Um. I had walking pneumonia at one point, but it's walking pneumonia. Yes, there's that's bad. Um. But you still just kind of power through. Right. When you're a single parent, you don't have a choice. But there was one one time that I was legitimately concerned how this was going to work. I had had some sort of stomach bug and I don't know if it was food poisoning. I don't, I don't know what it was, Yeah, but it was my personal hell because I was sitting on the toilet with a bucket in my lap and a three-year-old who oh. was not sick. She was fine. And um, didn't understand. Obviously. Did not yeah. understand that mom was in a bad place. Yeah. Like the fever, the chills, the, all the disgusting. I was trapped on a toilet with a bucket in my lap, actively using both things. It was disgusting. I felt like death warmed over. Yeah. And I had a three-year-old. And this was also just a little bit before the Netflix we know now. This was just a little bit before kid-accessible tablets. Like, tablets were a thing, but they didn't come with the big giant expando foam cases yeah. <laughs> that, you know, fire tablets weren't a thing. iPads were not cheap enough and certainly not in my budget to hand my three-year-old tablet. Right. So I pretty much, and I was really, really broke. So I pretty much had PBS because that was a free over the air station. Right. So whatever was on PBS is what she could do to entertain herself. And Abby is a social butterfly, uh, which is how I categorize. She is socially motivated. She wants to be around people all the time. She always, always has. She would rather sit in a room with a bunch of human beings doing absolutely nothing than go to the world's biggest playground. By herself. By herself. (laughs) Yeah. She's always been like that. So it, it was my personal hell. And now how, how was she through this? Like, 
She As a three-year-old, was, compare her to our current three-year-olds in this way. Knowing what I know of the kids, yeah, I do not think they would have extended me the grace that Abby extended me at that time. It's <laughs> a fair way to put it. That's a very polite way to put it. <laughs> I don't think they would have handled this as well, but also they've never known life with a single mom. Yeah. Like Abby at the time, she just lived with me and we lived in this tiny little roach motel apartment. It was awful. I finally had to break down at one point and call my neighbor who I had met four or five times previously our kids played in this little filled in concrete pool that existed in the courtyard. This was a converted motel that I lived in yeah. that they turned into apartments. Awful. They, they're not even standing anymore. They got knocked down. They were literally oh, condemned. I, I think I know which, you know which ones. Yeah. 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 They're over in Del City. Yep. And they were work, literally work by condemned. Him, yeah. And I had to call my neighbor and I had to convince my three year old to unlock the door. So she had to get a stool and I couldn't move from the toilet. I couldn't. I was balled up on the floor or I was on the toilet and I had to call my neighbor. I was like, can you, I know we don't know each other and you have no obligation to say yes at all. Um, and, and I pray to God that you're not going to do something awful, but can you please watch her for a little bit and let her play with your kids? Like, I don't even care. Like, I just can't. And it was a very humbling moment because. I mostly naked on the floor of my bathroom had to talk to this woman and she, she was an absolute angel. She's like, I get you. I get you. She was a single mom too. She's been there. She did not bat an eyelash that my pale naked self was laying in the bathroom going, she's got a backpack. It doesn't, I will find some stuff. It is okay. She'll be over here when you feel better. When you feel you can, if she has to spend the night, I don't care. She didn't spend the night. I was able to pull myself back together and get her after a couple hours. But, oh, I, I literally don't know what I would have done had I not had a literal angel living a couple doors down. Yeah. She had no need to step up like that. She had no real frame of reference for who the heck I was. I had no idea who the heck she was other than the neighbor in this awful apartment complex that our kids would play downstairs together sometimes. That's it. That's all I had. Yeah. How, how do we, how do we do it these days without a community? I, I mean, s- like, you know what I mean? Like without yeah. a, yeah, without so a village. I recently read a hunt gather parent by Michalina Duclef and I may, Michalina Duclef. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, but Uh, I recently read that and that was one of the things that she kept referring to and kept referring to in that in Western society, we have gotten so far away from the idea of it takes a village to raise a child. Like we repeat the cliche, but we've really lost track of what that means. And I feel like I look around at my neighbors and we've discussed this on previous episodes. Yeah. I don't know any of them. I know maybe two or three on, right. the, on the whole block. On the whole block, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know two families on the whole block, and there are probably 12 houses on our block here, on our, on our uh, cul-de-sac. cul-de-sac. Yeah. I know two. Two families, and I, I can't tell you the names of half the people in either of those houses. I, I, I can tell you that I'm afraid to ask them for help. Yeah. 
if uh, if we needed help. Yeah. With with one exception. Yeah. The the, the, the folks down the street. Yes. Yeah, the the old man that helped me with the uh, the plumbing. Yep. Yep. Um, if if we need in an emergency, in an if emergency. we absolutely needed help for a moment. Actually, that's weird. You mentioned that in our emergency evacuation plan. I told Abby, if for whatever reason you were watching the kids or dad and I are out of commission or whatever, and you have wrangled any number of small humans or creatures that live in this house, you go down to that house. Mm -hmm. They will open their doors willingly, ask no questions other than, what do you need? Have you called the police? Do you need the fire department? Is there an ambulance? Where are your parents? Yeah. Like, they will ask the correct questions and not bat an eyelash at it. That that's our emergency escape is four doors down. Yeah. I, I think I, I've said it before is, is I feel like we need to uh, be better about being neighbors with him. I, what I fear, I think for me is I don't want it to seem like it's one sided. I, right. I want it to feel like it's reciprocated, but I don't know how to I don't know how to be a neighbor. We've yeah. already done this episode where yeah. you don't know how to people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's very much, when I talk about like, oh, I want mom friends, what I'm really kind of saying is I, I, I miss the village Yeah, that I don't think I've ever experienced. I've had snippets of it, like with my neighbor in Del City, yeah. who graciously watched my kid when I was really sick. Um, I've, I've, we've always been really supported by our parents. So once we became a couple, once we became a family, our parents have always been there to babysit whenever. Um, or for, for whatever reason, I mean, um, our son had an allergy rash one time he had a fever rash and we weren't sure what it was and it kept getting worse. And I think we called your mom at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was, it was really late. And she's like, I'll be there like okay. 30 minutes later. Yeah. Which yeah. she lives 45 minutes away from us. So yeah. do that math. <laughs> um, so like, yes, we're, we're really lucky that we have a good support system. Um, and we have a couple close friends. We've got the friend who lives in town a little ways. She has stepped up more than once for us. Yeah. Um, she, she has luckily, thankfully, I'm not complaining. She's never had to ask us to step up. That's not because she doesn't think we would. She's just never been in a position where she's needed us, you know, to midnight ride for right. her. Yeah. We would, and she knows it. Yeah. But I, I really feel like I miss the village. Like, did your parents have the kid hotline? Yes. Yeah. Where everybody knew it, like everybody knew everybody's parents yeah. and had everybody's parents phone numbers. Right. And then you had a list. So if I, if I had gone riding my bike and I was uh-huh. gone for two or three hours and she needed to get a hold of me, she had a list. She'd start yeah. at the top and then go down that list. And yeah. eventually she'd come to somebody who's like, oh yeah, he's over here or he's over playing at the Creek or something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, my mom had the same thing. Um, it, it was just the phone tree. She'd call right. Mary Delatry's mom and she's like, no, I think she's over at Jenna's house. And then she'd call Jenna's mom and Jenna was like, yeah, Jenna and Gwenna were here. They went over to Lacey's. Yeah. And like, she called Lacey's mom. Yep. No, I've got her. She's in the kiddie pool in the back. Do you need her home? No, nope, just checking to see where she was. <laughs> and for, for reference, I could just get into somebody's kiddie pool because their mom's like, you want to get in the kiddie pool? Sure. Yeah. Uh, would I be okay with our kids doing that? I don't know. Anymore. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like we want the village, but also we're scared of the village. Well, I, I, I think it's a, I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Cause in the village, when you're in a tight knit 
community. Mm-hmm. You tend to know everybody, or mm-hmm. at least you tend to know enough people. Right. And you have a certain level of trust. Yeah. And since we don't have that community very yeah. well, we have a very limited amount of trust. Right. I think is what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I think that's probably fair. Like, because I lack the kinship with my neighbors, yeah. I am frightened of just like, what would happen if you just go over to the, I happen to know our neighbors across the street have a pool. And like, that makes me nervous. Well, what if they go over there and like, they're, they're not like on top of the kids. Like they have a kid, our own child's age, our own children's age. They know how to monitor children and the pool. Yeah. They have one that's our kid's age, but that doesn't account for the other six. Right. Who are like incrementally a year to two years (laughs) older than the next. Right. Like they've got a bunch of kids and they're spread out among about a 12 to 13 year. Yeah difference but like they they know they've got experience (laughs) and yet my wormy anxious mom shamey brain is like "Mm, no well to be honest though there's a part of me that that and nothing against them at all but i I look at the six or seven kids they have and i'm Uh just like i can't imagine adding mine to that mix right like that's one person because because her husband works Works. i want to say he's oil field or something Something. so he's gone a long time yeah and oftentimes it's just her with mm-hmm. all of them. Well, and, you know, we don't know her, but when I've seen her interact with the kids, like, she seems to have her stuff together, at least when she's trying to get them in the minivan. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's just. It does look like herding cats, but yes. that's because there's a bunch of uh, school agers. And- <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, so in Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, she goes about visiting she visits three what I'm going to call ancient cultures. Like they're, they're still real people living in the 21st century, but they have their roots. Their heritage stretches all the way back to antiquity. Yeah. So she, she meets with families from the Aztec culture uh, down in Mexico. She meets with people from the Inuit culture up in, I want to say she was in Canada. Um, and she met, meets with the... Hatsabi people in, I forget which country in Africa. I'm not sure. You can read the book. I'm sure. I'm sure that's in there. Yeah. But when she was talking with the Aztec mom, uh, that she spent most of her time in Mexico with. Yeah. She was absolutely amazed walking through this little village. And again, this is a 21st century village. Yes, it is a little more remote. Yes, it is a little rural. But they have phones, they have cell phones, they, they know what an iPhone is, they not, have yeah. electricity. Like we're not, yes, they still live in mud huts, but not, we're not talking archaic technology. Right. Like there's reasons that their houses are still adobo, mud, brick, straw. Like they have made this conscious choice of this is, this is the lifestyle they live, but they're also still very modern. Right. Um, and the children in this village were just wandering about. And at one point, the mom realized she needed something from the store. And she told her five-year-old child, hey, go to the store, get this, bring it back. And she she did. And the author realized that the child had been gone for a long time. She goes, did you send your little to the store? Yeah, I did. She'll be back in about an hour. You sent her on a trip that was going to take an hour? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just mind blowing. Yeah, my mind is blowing up right? right now. But that's because the village exists. They have the mom hotline in that village in Mexico. Right. She can call 
any one of her neighbors and go, hey, have you seen the little? Oh, yeah. Passed by here about 10 minutes. Okay. I know where they are. It sounds like I need to read this book. You do. Um, so for what it sounds like to me is it sounds like societally they're modern, but they decided culturally to hang on to their heritage in a sense. Exactly. Like the, the whole premise of the book is these cultures have been around a lot longer than any classification of Western culture has. Right. And at no point in the book does she demonize Western culture. She does kind of break apart some of the reasons we parent the way we parent and where we get some of our parenting ideas from. Yeah. But at no point does it feel like an attack. Oh, those silly Westerners and their capitalistic society. Problems notwithstanding with any of those terms, she's not attacking it. Right. But she is looking at these cultures, the Inuit, the Hatsabi, the Aztecs. They have been successfully raising kids for generations more than any Western culture has existed. When I remember you telling me a little bit about this book and there's similarities among the three cultures she yes. studied and they're nowhere near they're each nowhere other. They're nowhere near each other, but their children are very helpful. Right. Their children are very respectful. The parents are the epitome of what Western culture calls responsive parenting. There's never any yelling. There's, yes, there's impatience. Yes, there's frustration. Yes, there, there's the challenges of raising kids. And none of them say that that doesn't exist. But some of the methods she describes feel surreal to me, even me as a responsive parent. It, it's just, that doesn't feel like it's going to work. <laughs> but we have tried one of the things. Yeah. One of the things that they do in Inuit parenting as described by this book, please keep in mind, I am not an expert. I have read the one book on it. Right. So if I'm describing this incorrectly, that is a poor interpretation of the one book that I read. So if you are a part of the Inuit culture and you're like, that's not actually how it works. I, I get it. I, I understand. But one of the practices they describe was if your kid is having a big feeling, um, once you've confirmed they are safe uh, physically, that they are not in danger of injuring themselves during this fit, just ignore them. You literally, you don't even watch them. You kind of like peripheral watch them. Now you, you said fit. So you're referring to like a tantrum or something like that, right? Okay. Yeah. You just ignore them. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that's what this was from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I told you about it. We have, I I probably forgot. (laughs) We, uh, we have tried this a couple of times actually Mm -hmm. with, uh, with With a girl child who who is more prone to, what I'm going to call in unsubstantial fits. Mm-hmm. She throws fits over smaller stuff yeah. than her brother does. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll look at her and then I will once, once I've got her attention, once I've made eye contact with her and she really starts to crank up that dial, I just drift my eyes off into the distance. Yeah. I've seen it work. Huh? I learned that from this book. Well, speaking of books, I heard there is somebody working on a responsive parenting, but do you know anything about this? A little bit. Is this, is this something that somebody's working on that, that could come out in the next few years, possibly? Uh, potentially. Timelines are hard to nail down right. because the publishing world is weird. But yeah, I am, in fact, working on a book. Um, I don't have a title. I've got a working title. Um, and I am in the publishing process now. I don't have a book deal. I don't have a publisher. But my agent and I are working through the process of putting this book together, which until I got into it, I didn't realize like 
how long this process is. I technically started this process in 2021. Yeah. Um, we may not see a book on shelves until 2023. Right. That's okay, though. Shameless plug still, and it's uh, something for people to look forward to. I know a few people have asked about it. So. A few. Um, that's it. That's, that's it. That's our show. We we made it through episode yeah. eight. This is eight or Yes, nine? eight. I have to look. You were the keeper of the numbers. <laughs> it's eight. <laughs> jig. That is not a jig. That is a seizure. That's... Well, don't do that. Don't do it like that. <laughs> no, the second one was a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done here. Yeah, we're good because I need to cough. <coughs> Proof that she was actually sick all week. Love you. <laughs> Bye. This has been a production of Pleasant Peasant Media. For questions, suggestions, professions of adoration, or to discuss sponsorship opportunities, email info at pleasantpeasantmedia.com. dot <laughs> com.